in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I come. I'm blessed when I go. And the blessings of the Lord make it rich. And he added no sorrow with it. Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamla D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible. Yes, we read entire books here. Not just one scripture of the Bible, full chapters. And of course, I share commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word. Hey, since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith, walk in God's grace by learning Bible truth. Good day, Bible truth learners. I hope today finds you well, you and your family. Now, this is the very last episode of this first series entitled First Samuel. We will cover four chapters, the final four chapters, chapters 28, 29, 30, and 31. Now, unfortunately, and yes, I must say that humbly, that Saul dies in this final episode and he dies a horrible death. There will be some misconceptions about communicating with the dead that I will that I will clarify for you. And it is necessary. I will refer back to what Jesus says about communicating with the dead to make sure when you reject this, you are rejecting what Jesus says, not me. My job is to communicate to you the truth. My job is to dissect the scriptures and to follow the Holy Spirit and to teach you truth, not try to deceive you in these scriptures. This is why we read entire chapters, entire books. So with that said, I don't want to linger too much. Now, I will be using the ESV, the English Standard Version for this final episode. And I also will be reading scriptures from the Hebrew Bible. Yes, because there are some things that I have to clarify within this final episode because things are being taken out of context in reference to communicating with the dead. And I have to refer back to what Jesus said when we get to those uh, scriptures, because Jesus is the final word of God. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way. Can we agree that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus knows what he is talking about? So if you reject what I am going to teach in this final episode, you're not rejecting me. You are rejecting Jesus. And guess what? God made us and created us with a free will and you can do whatever you want. But I, as a teacher, of the gospel and as a teacher of this Bible, which contains the true word of God, I have an obligation to teach you the truth and not try to deceive you. Now, people, when we get to those scriptures, I will point out 
that people have taken scriptures out of context. And as a result, they are believing that people can communicate with the dead. And that's not so. So thank God uh, for discernment. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. Now, I pray before I teach every episode. I pray when I am teaching in person and ask God to communicate through me, ask God to um, give me discernment and give me the information that he want his people to hear and and allow me to pull up scripture to back up what I say. Okay, pull up scripture to support everything that I say. So we will be, um, like I said a few minutes ago, reading from the Hebrew Bible, too. But I will be teaching this final episode using the ESV, the English Standard Version. So with that said, saints, I hope you are in chapter 28 of First Samuel and I will begin reading. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, understand that you and your men are are to go out with me in the army. Verse two, David said to Achish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And we know David made that statement because he is a mighty warrior. And Achish said to David, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Verse three. Now Samuel had died. We have to remember this. Okay. Samuel is no longer living. Samuel was the last judge of Israel, the final judge of Israel. Uh, Verse three again. Now Samuel had died and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him. In Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. Now, necromancers are magicians, soothsayers, palm readers, uh, psychics, Miss Cleos, who try to consult with the dead. Okay, now here we go. Um... Now, Saul, when he had a sense of rationality, okay, just a little, he knew that mediums and necromancers and psychics and soothsayers and magicians are an abomination unto the Lord. Deuteronomy and Leviticus says, and Deuteronomy and Leviticus, for those of you who don't know, are the laws that God gave Moses to give to the children of Israel to live by. They should be put to death. They are an abomination unto God. Not just back then, but today as well. They should be put to death. So Saul had put all of them out of the country. Now, I want to take this time to uh, digress here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This wasn't in my teachings, but I want to mention this. Saul had priests who were men of God who were working for the true and living God, all 85 of them murdered, slaughtered because they had given David some food. I want that to sink in here. Saul with his heart of stone and his demonic spirit 
had all the priests murdered so he couldn't go to them for what he was getting ready to go to these mediums for. But he had the mediums put out of Israel, not killed. He had them put out of Israel, but he killed the priest. I want you to think about that. Okay. Now, verse four. So the Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel and they encamped at Gilboa. Verse five. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. Verse six. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim, meaning priests, because he didn't have any priests that, that Saul could communicate with um, and ask what to do. They probably wouldn't have helped him anyway, because you got to remember, the Lord had cut Saul off completely. Saul is what we call, called back then and today, spiritually dead, is when you are completely cut off from God. And that is what Saul was because God cannot reside where evil exists. I need to say that again. God cannot reside where evil exists. So uh, the latter part of uh, verse six, by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Now they had other prophets there, but not the prophet who was Samuel. Samuel had passed away. Verse seven. Then Saul said to his servants, seek out for me a woman who is a medium. Here he go trying to consult with Miss Cleo that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, behold, there is a medium at Endor. Verse eight. So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went. He and two men with him. Now he disguised himself because he had put all the mediums out of Israel. And he was afraid that, you know, if they saw him, they would run from him. And rightfully so. Um, the latter part of eight. And, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, divine for me by a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. Verse nine. The woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done. How he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Necromancers are, are basically known as magicians. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? Verse 10, but Saul swore to her by the Lord. As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Now, Saul had gone so deep into sin, so deep into evil to where he was okay by swearing by the Lord to a medium, you hear me, that no punishment shall come upon her when the laws of Moses that God gave Moses to give to the children of Israel said mediums should be put to death. Now, Saul was so deep into his sin, he was comfortable saying that, equating God with an abomination. Unbelievable. And people still do that today, equate God with evil. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Verse 11. Then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? He said, bring up Samuel for me. Now here's where I need you guys to pay attention because I'm going to explain it to you the way the Holy Spirit asked me to explain it to you. And I'm going to refer to 
uh, the New Testament to what Jesus said about this so that you can understand that uh, they weren't talking to Samuel. Okay. God had completely cut Saul off and this medium can't raise the dead. Okay. They try to consult with the dead and these scriptures, if you don't pay attention, you will believe that this woman raised Samuel, but I want you to pay attention now. Here we go. Verse 11 again. Then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? He said, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, now she didn't bring Samuel up. The Bible says when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. She was in terror. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. So she saw Saul. She didn't see Samuel. She definitely didn't hear him. But Saul is going to hear a voice. Now, the Hebrew Bible says that a familiar spirit appears. Now, familiar spirits are impersonators. Okay. They are demonic impersonators. They impersonate people, you know. Okay, because we cannot bring people back from the dead. Mediums and magicians can't either. And this woman never said anything about Saul. I mean, Samuel come up. It says here in verse 12, when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. See, she was scared. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. She saw Saul. She didn't see Samuel. Okay. Now, verse 13, the king talking about Saul said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. What she saw was a, a familiar spirit that was in a, an, an authoritative figure. Okay. Someone in authority coming up out of the earth. Verse 14. He said to her, what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up. And you got to remember, Saul was in his 60s. An old man is coming up and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel. And Saul knew that it was Samuel and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Now, it may say in your version of the Bible that he prostrated himself. And this means the same thing, that he stretched out, bowed. He laid completely out, bowed and paid homage to a familiar spirit. Now, so that you can understand what the Hebrew Bible say, where all these original texts come from, because our translators just don't get it right all the time. I'm going to go to the Hebrew Bible, if you can bear with me for a second and read this text to you. Okay. Let me find this scripture. Now, this is going to be from the Hebrew Bible, where original text of these scriptures came from. And once I start reading, you will understand why these scriptures had to be translated into English so that we would have an understanding of it. Because my tongue gets twisted and tied reading this. Okay, now I'm going to start from verse eight of first Samuel chapter 28. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment and went. He and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, the, the uh, medium. And he said, divine unto me, I pray thee by a ghost and bring me up 
whomsoever I shall name unto thee. Verse nine. And the woman said unto him, behold, thou knowest what Saul had done, how he had cut off those that divine by a ghost or familiar spirit out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die. Now, I want to point out in verse nine, where this medium says divine by a ghost or familiar spirit. Now, familiar spirits is not written in the ESV. It's not written in the NIV. It's not written in the New King James and familiar spirits are impersonators of people that you may know who died. They are demonic spirits. Just like on this planet, the devil walks about seeking, seeking whom he may devour. He also have demons working with him. They're, just like we have the Holy Spirit in God's people, we have demonic spirits in Satan's people. Okay, they impersonate people, making you think that you are communicating with the dead. And I read this from the Hebrew Bible so that you can see the actual words in it speak of ghost or a familiar spirit. And Saul had cut all of them off from Israel. But yet I must say this again, how evil Saul became allowed his narcissism instead of being delivered from it to overpower him. And he killed priests, but did not kill the medium like the laws said in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Uh-huh. Yeah. So let's pick up where we left off in the ESV. Chapter 14. Let me read that again. He, Saul, said to her, the medium, what is his appearance? Talking about Samuel. And she said, an old man is coming up. And he is wrapped in a robe and Saul knew that it was Samuel and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Now, let me point this out. This is the only passage of scripture in this entire Bible. And we are talking about millions upon millions of scriptures in this entire Bible that speaks of familiar spirits. Okay, I just read to you in the original text in the Hebrew Bible where we're talking about familiar spirits. Now, familiar spirits or impersonators. They can and will impersonate a loved one, making you think that someone uh, uh, from your um, family members who passed away is coming back talking to you. No, they're not. No, they're not. What you are encountering is a demonic spirit who is impersonating a loved one, making you think that you can communicate with somebody from the dead. No, you cannot. And after I read this passage, I'm going to go to the New Testament and tell you what Jesus says. Okay. Verse 15. Then Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Now, people take these scriptures right here, just in Samuel, 1 Samuel 14 and 15 to confirm. This is what people take it to be to confirm that you can communicate with the dead. You won't read no other scripture in this Bible where you see this happening. Okay. And didn't we just read where God had completely cut Saul off? He wasn't even answering Saul. So why do you think a man as holy as Samuel? And with that said, thank you, Holy Spirit. Do you know who Samuel was? Samuel ain't uncle Buki. Okay. He ain't your aunt Sue. 
Okay. Samuel was a mighty prophet from the age of three until he died. Okay. A mighty prophet of the true and living God. So we ain't just talking about no anybody. Samuel was a man of God. So if God cut Saul off, what you think Samuel was going to do? But I want you to listen to what this familiar spirit says to Saul. Now, you don't have to believe uh, this interpretation, but I follow the Holy Spirit and I got Jesus to back me up. Now, just because it appears that Samuel is talking to Saul, it doesn't mean Samuel is talking to Saul. It doesn't even mean a familiar spirit is talking to Saul. Saul, in my ter interpretation, is hallucinating. That's what he is doing. And the mediums who are already demonic spirit led, she, she, you have to remember, God does not communicate with mediums. She never communicated with this spirit, but she saw something. Okay. She saw something. She saw a man that appeared to be an authoritative speak, uh, figure, uh, God-like in her words. And she never heard the voice. Okay. She never heard anything. At least there's no documentation that she heard something, but Saul heard this. Let, let me read verse 15. Then Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress for the Philistines are warring against me. And God has turned away from me and answers me no more. He knew that much, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have summoned you to tell me what I should do. This is how delusional Saul was. You need to hear this, people. You need to get this. You know that God been cut, cut Saul off. So I don't know why he was shocked that God didn't answer him then, because God been cut Saul off. He been removed his spirit from Saul. Saul was no longer anointed because I let me say this again. God does not reside where where evil exists. OK, now, verse 16. And Samuel said, why then do you ask me since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? Now, <laughs> according to this familiar spirit, <laughs> Saul and God are enemies. Okay. Now verse 17, the Lord has done to you as he spoke by me for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. Now, when Samuel, this familiar spirit says the Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, if you can recall, it was God who sent his prophet Samuel because that's who spoke on God's behalf, the prophets, to tell Saul that he was removing him as king and had chosen Jesse's son, David, to replace him. So this is what Samuel is talking about, this familiar spirit. Verse 18, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Verse 19, moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines and tomorrow you 
and your son shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Now, what did we just hear? What did we just read? What we heard Samuel or the familiar spirit or wherever it was tell uh, Saul. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm multitasking here. Tell Saul that tomorrow you and your sons are going to die. Now, it appears, I say appears that Samuel said that tomorrow that you and your son shall be with me. No, they won't be in paradise with Samuel. What Samuel is saying is y'all are going to die tomorrow. That is what Samuel is saying. Because there were was either two places you could go. That was back then and today. There are two places you can go today when you die. And there were two places you could go back then in the Old Testament. Hades, which is hell, or either paradise. Back then, paradise was in the heart of the earth. Okay, so that's where Samuel was. Now, Samuel was a great prophet. Now, let me say this. I'm not confused. Okay, now, no one can come back from the dead, says the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, no one can come back from the dead. And you guys need to understand this. I, I, I want to reiterate so we are going to do, go to Luke. I want, you don't have to go there, but you can. So you could read it. You can go to um, Luke. Let me see what version I'm going to read from. Go to Luke chapter 16. I'm going to read from the NIV. Okay. Uh I should have had this ready because I knew I was going there. Um, but Luke chapter 16 and beginning at verse 19. Okay. Now, this is Jesus sharing the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Listen very closely because Jesus makes it clear. Verse 19, this is the Lord Jesus Christ talking. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Verse 20, at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with, the so covered with sores, verse 21, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Verse 22. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. You may be reading a version that says Abraham's bosom, but this version is correct. Abraham's side in paradise. Okay. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades. That's hell. Verse 23 in Hades, also hell, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Verse 24. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony 
in fire. My Lord, verse 25. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime, you receive your good things while Lazarus received his bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Verse 26. And besides all this between us, I want y'all to hear this now. And besides all this between us and you, a great chasm you may have in your, your uh, version, a great gulf has been set in place, or you may have uh, your version say a great gulf was fixed or is fixed. The uh, NIV says that between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, meaning a barrier so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, meaning you can't communicate while you are on this earth with anyone who is in hell nor in paradise, nor can anyone cross over from here to us. So no dead person can cross over and speak to anyone that's on earth. Now this came from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me continue to read. He answered, then I beg you, father, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Now he talking about send Lazarus. Didn't Jesus just say nobody can come from there to here? Okay. Verse 29. Um, okay. I just read 27 and 28. So let me read verse 29. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets and, and Dr. Kamala D let them listen to them. Verse 30. No father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Verse 31. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets and Dr. Kamala D and Fred Price Sr. and Fred Price Jr., they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Now, this is the Lord Jesus Christ saying no one can come from the dead and speak to anyone on earth. So we have to conclude that that was a familiar spirit that was speaking to Saul and Saul in his delusional state remembered back when Samuel was on the earth and came to him and told him what God had said. So what we can conclude here is that Saul who had not eaten anything, had not drank anything, um, was talking to something or some spirit that appeared to him to remind him that he was cut off from God and that Samuel was the one who brought the message to him from God and told him that he was being removed and, and his delusional in his delusional state, he thought about why he was removed. But I want y'all to pay attention to this. Not once did Saul repent. Do you hear me? Not once did Saul repent. He could have because God was a merciful God back then. Just like today, if you turn your back on God, you turn your back on God. But God is there for you if you repent and come back. But he ain't chasing you down. 
We were made and created with a free will. If God wanted to destroy the Philistines who was attacking Israel, he would have. God wasn't on the side of the Philistines because they were not true worshipers of a living God. They worship the, for, for, it's what they call the fertility goddesses of the Canaanites. They worshiped idol gods. And so God was completely cut off back then and today, completely cut off from people who worship idol gods, pagan worship. Yeah, people who are involved in pagan worship. God is not associated with them. And he and yet he's leaving them alone. You know why? Because there is a day coming called judgment. That's when you are going to be judged. OK, now let's let's get back. I know this is it, this appears to be heavy to some of y'all, but y'all need to hear this because some of y'all have been deceived. And I'm going to take it a step further. This is one of the scriptures where Catholicism get purgatory from. But you won't see the word purgatory nowhere in here. Is not in this Bible and is not in the Catholic Bible because the Catholics use the same Bible we use. They just kept the apocryphal scriptures in their Bible. But this is one of the scriptures. As a matter of fact, the this is the scripture they go by to convince people that there is a purgatory. That's not what this Bible says. And they are going they are hinging that off of verse 19 in First Samuel 28. Where, let me read it again, where it says, moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines and tomorrow you and your sons will shall be with me. Now, this is the scripture out of the millions of scripture in this Bible that um, they created purgatory, saying that Samuel was in purgatory and that Saul and his sons was going to be in purgatory and that. They can be, anyone can just be prayed up into heaven if you, you pray enough. That's not what this scripture says. See, when it's a, the Bible can be a dangerous tool if someone is reading it that don't have discernment from the Holy Spirit. Now, you can have discernment from a demonic spirit. So that's why if you are not called to teach, you better stay out of this Bible teaching. You can study to show yourself approved, but just like the Ethiopian eunuch, that Philip encountered was reading the Bible. He was reading the prophet Isaiah and Philip asked him, did he know what he was reading? And he said, no, how can I, unless someone shows me that is the attitude you better have and stop thinking that you know everything because a whole religion was built around this behind people misunderstanding his Bible. Let me read it again. Verse 19, moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines and tomorrow you and your son shall be with me. What Samuel was saying or whatever that spirit was or wherever it came from was saying was y'all going to be dead. Y'all going to be in a grave. But Samuel was in paradise. You know, good and well, Saul wasn't going to paradise. And we just read that God never answered him. And if you go back a few chapters, we have read throughout this entire series where God cut Saul off and took his spirit from him and that he became an enemy of God. Saul had no fear of God. So we know that is not what this scripture means. And we have a lot of Catholics out there. I'm talking about sincere Catholics following false teaching. Telling them that there is a such thing as purgatory. It's not in this Bible and it's not in their Bible because they read the same scriptures we read. I'm sorry I went off on a little tangent there, but sometimes as a true teacher, I get angry. Because all these false teachers out there and we just read what Jesus said, nobody 
who is in hell can come back and talk to somebody on this earth. And nobody who is on this earth can talk to the dead. Isn't that what Jesus said? So if you reject that, reject Jesus. Because I don't care if you receive it or reject it. It just doesn't matter to me. My job is to communicate the truth to you. Now let's move on before we get caught up on, because I can stay right there all day. Verse 20. Then Saul fell at once full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. Verse 21. And the woman came to Saul, talking about the medium. And when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, because she didn't hear a thing. Only Saul heard it. She said to him, behold, your servants has obeyed you. I have taken my life in my hand and have listened to, to what you have said to me. Verse 22. Now, therefore, you also obey your servant. Let me set a morsel of bread before you and eat that you may have strength when you go on your way. Verse 23. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants together with the woman urged him and he listened to their words. So he arose from the earth and sat on the bed because he was on the ground. Uh, verse 24. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house. Now fattened calf was a calf who was being prepared to eat, not the calf that um, remained in the pastures. Okay. This, the fatted calves, whenever you read that in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and it's, it's mentioned some, um, in a few scriptures in the New Testament as well. It's talking about calves that uh, are being prepared to eat. Um, like in the prodigal son, the father um, prepared the fatted calf for him and the brother got mad <laughs> when his brother returned. Verse 24. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house and she quickly killed it and she took flour and kneaded it. Means she made it. She made it out of dough and baked unleavened bread of it. Now unleavened uh, bread is bread without yeast. And there's a, a, a spiritual thing about this. I'm not going to go into that right now, but, um, it was bread without yeast in it. So the bread didn't rise. Verse 25. And she put it before Saul and his servants and they ate. Then they rose and went away by night. Okay. We are entering chapter 29. Verse one. Now the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Aphek and the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel. Verse two, as the lords of the Philistines, meaning the military leaders, uh, were passing on uh, on by hundreds and by thousands. And David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish. Verse three, the commanders of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years. And since he deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day. Now, what we see here are the command, uh, the commanders of the Philistines upset when they saw David, because they know that David is first of all, an Israelite. Okay. And he used to be a part of Saul's army and they referred to Saul as being David's king. So they didn't trust David. Okay. Ver uh, verse four. 
But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him. And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, send the man back that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him, which is Ziglag. Um, he, he shall not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his Lord? Would it not be with the heads of, of men here? Verse five, is not this David of whom they, they sing to one another in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten, his ten thousands. And that song that those women were singing in the street was the song that set Saul off to kill David. And from that day forward, Saul set out to kill King David after that song. So they were mocking him right here. And what they are saying is, look, I don't trust him. We don't trust him. In the heat of the battle, they will turn on us so that David can get on Saul's good side. Will turn on us and destroy us. That was in their mindset. Verse six, then Achish called David and said to him, as the Lord lives, you have been honest. And to me, it seems right that you should march out and in with me in the campaign. For I have found nothing wrong in you. From the day of your coming to me to this day, nevertheless, the lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peaceably that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. Verse eight. And David said to Achish, but what have I done? What have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord, the king? So here's the thing. The Philistine army did, did not trust David. They did not trust that David would battle and be on their behalf. They figured in the, in the heat of the battle to get back on Saul's good side, that David would turn him and his men against the Philistines and defeat them. Now, I must say this. You have to recall David before going to war, he always consulted with the Lord, but you notice that he didn't consult with the Lord here. And, um, the Holy spirit is saying to me that David kind of knew in his heart that he didn't want to go fight against Israel. That was his people. And he knew that God wouldn't let him go fight. So he just, you know, uh, when Achish asked him to come to battle with him, he said, okay, I'll go. But he never consulted with God here. Now I don't, you know, profess to know everything. I know what I know, but I'm, uh, a little on the fence as to why David was going to go or at least give us the implication or imply that he was going to go battle with the Philistines who was the enemy of God and the Israelites and go and fight on behalf of the Philistines. So I, I, I find that hard to accept. Verse nine, and Achish answered David and said, I know that you are as blameless in my sight as an angel of God. They knew that David was good at heart. They did know. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to the battle. Verse 10, now then rise early in the morning with the servants of your Lord who came with you and start early in the morning and depart as soon as you have have light. Verse 11, so David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines, but the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Now, 
we are getting ready to read chapter 30. It's getting ready to get, you know, real. <sighs> Verse 1, chapter 30, 1 Samuel. Now, when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziglag. They had overcome Ziglag and burned it with fire. They burned it to the ground. Uh, verse two, and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, meaning the children. They killed no one though, but carried them off and went their way. They kidnapped all the inhabitants living and the animals and stole all their goods from Ziglag. That was David's hometown that Achish had given him. Verse three, and when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Verse four, then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to, to weep. They cried until they couldn't cry anymore because David had taken all 600 of his men to go and battle alongside the Philistines against Israel and left no one behind to protect their goods and their family. Yeah. Verse five, David's two wives also had been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal or either Nabal of Carmel. Verse uh, six. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because of because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. David's men were so upset, they even contemplated stoning David to death. OK, they they wanted to kill David. They were blaming him because he he, he could have left some men back to protect the family, but he didn't. But anyway. Look at the latter part of verse six, but David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Now that is what was good about David. When push came to shove, he consulted with God. So that is what led me to believe that when he was going to fight alongside the Philistines against Israel, he really didn't think he was going. He really didn't believe in his heart that he was going because he always consulted with God. Verse seven. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, I know I've said in the past, uh, Abathar, but it's Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech. Now, this priest did not live in, in Nob, um, where the 85 priests and, and their family members were slaughtered at the order of Saul. That's not, the, uh, he wasn't a member of that priesthood. Okay. So let me read seven again. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And I told y'all what an ephod is, an ephod or ephod. Uh, it is a sleeveless um, garment that priest wore. So David asked the priest to bring this to him. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Verse eight. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He, meaning God, answered him, David, pursue for you shall surely overtake and surely and shall surely rescue. Verse nine. So David set out and the 600 men who were with him and they came to the brook Bessar 
um, this was near the Mediterranean Sea, where those who were left behind stayed. Verse 10, but David pursued he and 400 men, 200 stayed behind who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bessar. Verse 11, they found an Egyptian. Now, Egyptians are black people. Okay, so are the Philistines. They all come from the Ham lineage. Okay, I told you guys every time uh, an op opportunity arises, I'm going to point out all the black people that were uh, in this Bible. Okay, so they found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate. They fed him. They gave him water to drink. Verse 12. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs, fig cakes, maybe in your uh, version of the Bible and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten his spirit revived, you know, food gives us a strength for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. But I want you to keep in mind the heart of David. They didn't kill him. They fed him. Okay. Verse 13. And David said to him, to whom do you belong? And where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to Amalekite. And my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. Verse 14. We had made a raid against the Negev of the Cherethites. And against that which belongs to Judah and against the Negev of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. Now, David had just encountered one of the men who burned down his hometown and took part in taken captive of their wives and children. Mm -hmm. Did David kill him? No, he did not. Verse 15. And David said to him, will you take me down to this band? And he said, swear to me. By God, that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will take you down to this band. Now, there is no documentation that David swore to him. Okay, so we cannot put words where they do not exist. But ver uh, verse 16 says, and when he had taken, taken him down, meaning the Egyptian, he had taken who? David Nim down. Behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. That is what they saw. They saw the Egyptians and the Amalekites just dancing. Okay, just having a party and feasting off of all the goods they had taken from the land. Um... Verse 17, and David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them, them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. Verse 18, David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and David rescued his two wives. Verse 19, nothing was missing, whether small or great sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. Verse 20. David also captured all the flocks and herds and the people drove the livestock stock before him and said, this is David's spoils. You know, spoils are the goods left over after battle. 
um, verse 21, but let, let, we're getting ready to read just how humble David really is and why God chose him to be king. Now, David was not perfect. Thus far, we have seen all the bloodshed that is on David's hands. And it doesn't stop here. In 2 Samuel, it continues. But David had a heart for God. And uh, some of the bloodshed was justifiable killings. And some were not. We are going to read that in 2 Samuel when we finally get there. Uh, verse 21, then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left at the brook Besar. And they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him, meaning the rest of the army and the family, the women and children they rescued and the other men who stayed behind, but they were not soldiers. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Verse 22. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and, and depart. Now, here is where you are getting ready to see the heart of a leader, a true leader. Okay. Verse 23. But David said, you shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Verse 24. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. Meaning the 200 men may have stayed behind because they were too exhausted to cross the brook Bissar, but they still watched the supplies. So they still worked. They were still a team. This is what David is communicating. The, uh, the latter part of 24, they shall share alike. Thank God for King David. Thank God he didn't kill that Egyptian whose master had left him behind because he fell sick. Verse 25, and he made it a statue and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. David made it a law that they, sh they, they shall share and share alike. David made that a law and that law stands till this day in Israel. Verse 26, when David came to Ziglag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah. He shared with everyone saying, here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. I want you to notice that David said the enemies of the Lord. He didn't say his enemies. And I want you to recall the self-serving Saul, where he said that they were, the people were his enemies. And you have to remember the battle, the battle is the Lord's. It's not ours. It is the people who are against the true and living God. That is who the battle was all about. War was all about back then in the biblical days, Israel and the Philistines were fighting because they served different gods. The Israelites served the true and living God, the God who created the heavens and the earth and the, the, the water that we drink and the air that we breathe, uh, a God who can help you, a God who can deliver you out of the hands of your enemies. And the Philistines, they served what we call the fertility goddesses of the Canaanites, which is a pagan god, a non-existing god, okay? 
It's no different than someone looking at the moon and say, you know what? We're going to worship the moon. We are going to build a whole religion around the moon. And the Bible speaks of people worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And that is what angers God. That is what angers God. Verse 27. It was for those in Bethel in Ramoth of the Negev in Jider. Verse 28. In Aurora in Ziphmoth in Estamor. Verse 29, in Rakal, in the cities of the Jeramalites, in the cities of the Kenites. Verse 30, in Harmar, in Barshan, in Attach. Verse 31, in Hebron. Thank you, Lord, for a word we can identify and pronounce. Hebron, for all the places where David and his men had roamed. Now, before we go into the final chapter, um, these were all the places that allowed David and his men to come in and rest and eat and drink water running from Saul. These are places that we can call safe havens for David and his men. They fed David and his men. They gave them a place to lay their heads at night. It was a safe haven for them. And David repaid them. David had a tremendous heart. Yes, he did. Now, we are getting ready to read chapter 31. Um, I am not going to pretend that I am happy the way Saul and his people died, but we have to use this as an example of when you turn your back completely on God and when you are in leadership, especially the role of a king, the Bible says men that rule over people must be just, meaning you must be righteous, ruling in the fear of God. And Saul had no fear of God. Saul was a narcissist. He was a sociopath. He was mean. He was hateful. He was evil. He was rotten to the core. And he brought all of this on himself. Nobody brought this on him. He brought all of this on himself. Okay. Um, verse one, chapter 31 of first Samuel. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. Verse two, and the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons and the Philistines struck down Jonathan, my Lord, and Abinadab and Melchishua, the sons of Saul. Now Saul had four sons. So one of them, either he wasn't with them in war or he escaped. There's no documentation as to where he was, whether he was with them or not, but he escaped. We read about him in second Samuel. Okay. Um, let me read verse two over again. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons and the Philistines struck down Jonathan. Jonathan and David were best friends. As a matter of fact, they were, uh, what we would call in a bromance. Okay. Really loved one another. Abinadad and Melchishua, the sons of Saul. Verse three, the battle pressed hard against Saul and the archers, which were experts at bow and arrows, found him and he was badly wounded by the archers. Uh, Saul was struck with a bow and arrow. Okay. Verse four, then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it lest these uncircumcised, meaning non-Jews, come and thrust me through. 
and mistreat me. And boy, was he right. But his armor bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore, Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. So right here, Saul commits suicide. Uh, when we finally get to Second Samuel in a few weeks, maybe three weeks, we will read where someone contradicts how Saul died, but we find that this individual lied. And I will read and explain to you why he lied, okay, about how Saul died. Verse 5, and when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword, meaning his own sword, and died with him. He committed suicide, his armor bearer. Verse 6, thus Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor bearer, and all his men on the same day together. Now, when they say all his men, they are not talking about the 3,000 soldiers that were with Saul. They're talking about his personal bodyguards, okay? Because we are getting ready to read where the rest of the men were. Um, verse 7, and when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled, you, you see, that the men of Israel had fled, that was the rest of the army, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled. And the Philistines came and lived in them. Now, the spirit that came uh, allegedly from the ground, and yeah, I'm saying allegedly, and talked to Saul, told him that the Philistines were going to overtake Israel and live in the land and was going to take the uh, Israelites captive. And that Saul and his sons would die that day. So whatever spirit spoke to him, spoke the truth. I say it was Saul um, being reminded in his delusional state that he was definitely going to fall because God was not on his side. And if God is not on your side, uh, nine times out of nine times, you are going to lose that battle. And Saul never repented. Okay, so you know he's not with Samuel. Saul never repented and there is no place called purgatory where only Saul, the only person in this entire Bible, the only person in this entire Bible went for refuge and, and then the people can pray him on up to heaven. You won't read nothing in this Bible that says that Saul was evil to the core and was 100% cut off from God. And if you are cut off from God today, you are spiritually dead and cut off from God. If you are not in Christ, Christ is the savior of mankind. All Saul had to do is repent, but he allowed his narcissism to lead him straight to his death. And that to me is so unfortunate. You cannot be so deep in sin to where God will not save you. I don't care how deep in sin you think you are. The ground is leveled today through Christ Jesus for any man to come to and be saved and be reconciled to God. Because the mystery of God is, and you can read that in Colossians, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery of God of all these years from Genesis to Revelation. God's mystery is that he was going to send a savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 8. The next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. Verse 9. So they cut off his head. So Saul knew what he was talking about, that he wanted to die before they got to him because they were going to torture him even more. They cut off Saul's head and stripped off his armor and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols 
and to the people, to the house of their idols. The fertility goddesses worshipped by the Canaanites because the Philistines came from the Canaanites. So did the Amalekites. They were idol worshipers. Okay, and so um, this had to be a great humiliation to Israel that their so-called king had been killed along with his sons and his bodyguards and Saul's headless body. It doesn't say that they cut off his son's head, but they definitely cut off, excuse me, Saul's head. And they they actually pinned their bodies up in the wall of their idol temple. My God, my God, all that because you refuse to do what God asks you to do and you want to do your own thing. Saul's death was the consequence of his unwillingness to, to do God's will. That is why Saul was in that position right now. Saul did not have to die like that. He didn't. He and his sons and Israel would have won that war that day had David been king and had Saul stepped down like God told him to do. Saul was so narcissistic and so controlling that he couldn't see beyond his own thoughts. He couldn't. He couldn't. And it's so unfortunate that his sons, now while jo I don't know why Jonathan continued to fight alongside his father. But he was against his father when his father tried to kill David. Um, it's so sad to hear that Jonathan had to die like that. I know that, that Jonathan was a part of his uh, father's army. He was actually a, a high-ranking officer in his father's army. So that we can complete uh, this episode, let, let's move on to verse 10. Because my heart really is saddened. And it was saddened reading this. But anyway, verse 10, they put his armor in the temple of Astaroth. Now, here's the thing. I mentioned to you that uh, Astaroth was a fertility goddess of the Canaanites. But Astaroth also represented Satan and demons. And it represented hell. You know, the uh, Philistines were some evil people. Um, Astaroth also is, is the great Duke of hell. It's considered the great Duke of hell. My studies tell me, um, in the first hierarchy with Beelzebub and Lucifer, we know that Beelzebub and Lucifer are associated with the devil. So to put a, a king of Israel, but you got to remember Saul was the first king of Israel. And he was a horrible king. Uh, he was a king that had no fear of God. No. Uh, he was a king who was self-serving. He was a king who made everything about him. I don't care if, if he saw someone trip 400 miles away. He will make that fall about him. You know, and, and it's so sad. It is very hard to get a narcissist to repent. Only Jesus can save that individual, only Jesus. And unfortunately, when Saul died, Saul went to hell. There is no third place. It's either hell or paradise. Today, it's either hell or in the bosom of Jesus. Beside Jesus in paradise. 
it, it those are the only two places that they that they are um hell is one of two places you can go to today and back then you could either go to hell or in the bosom of abraham and this was way before thousands of years before jesus came and died and then rose and then ascended into heaven so you had two places to go hades which is hell or either um, paradise alongside of Abraham. And you know, good and well, Saul was not beside Abraham. He went straight to hell. So let's, let's continue. Let's close out, uh, this, this series. Verse 10 again, they put his armor in the temple of Ashtaroth and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. Verse 11. But when the inhabitants of Jabesh and Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul. Verse 12. All the valiant men, meaning determined men, arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. Now, it was not accustomed to burn bodies, but bury them back then. But the condition that Saul's uh, body Saul and his son's bodies were in leads me to believe according to the Holy Spirit that they were in such bad shape that they burned them however verse 13 says and they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fasted seven days now the fasting seven days represents seven days of mourning now, these men, the reason why they felt so bad when they heard about what happened to Saul and his sons, these were men from Jabesh. Because if you can recall, uh, Saul and his army rescued Jabesh and his men from the Amalekites and the Philistines before in war. And we read about that early on in 1 Samuel. And by the way, this is the end of 1 Samuel. But what we learned is that Israel asked Samuel to go to God and demand that they have a king like other nations. They wanted a king like other nations to lead them in war. This is why you saw kings out there fighting because they were supposed to be warriors and Saul was very tall. He appeared to be a nice guy early on, but God knew Saul was evil when he chose him. He chose uh, Saul as a punishment for Israel. God knew that Saul um, was going to be like that. It was a punishment for Israel, and we covered that in earlier episodes um, for choosing a king over God. When Israel stayed obedient to God, God protected them. Israel had very rich land, which is why everybody was trying to fight Israel to take over their land. And for God to allow the Philistines to take over Israel and the Philistines worshiped idol gods that was associated with the devil. When God allowed these unholy people to overtake that land and when King David, God's anointed, had to run from Saul and hide in the land of the Philistines, you know Saul had to be an evil individual. You know God 
uh, for him to allow that to happen, it was to lead to Saul's death because David didn't want to be the one to take Saul's life. David, you have to remember, you, you guys, I have to keep saying this. Although David wrote Psalms and Psalms is used today hundreds of millions of times, they are inspirational scriptures. David wrote Psalms while he well, and you got to remember, the Bible is historical. They, these were historical events, real people. David wrote Psalms so that he can inspire himself and the millions and hundreds of millions of people that are inspired today by Psalms. David wrote Psalms to record his experiences with God. And I am blessed by the book of Psalms today. And uh, we all know that David was the author of Psalms. Now, I have a treat for you guys starting next weekend. I will be playing a three-part series uh, by my brother in Christ, Pastor Fred Price Jr. He is the pastor of Crenshaw Christian Center. He did an excellent uh, lesson on tithing under grace, and it is not what you think. Now, I have been sharing some little hints with you guys over the past couple of months about tithing. Now, I was going to do a teaching on this until I heard that my brother in Christ did it. I listened to it, and by God, he is on point. He is going to give you scripture. Um, precept upon precept, okay, uh, scripture upon scripture about tithing, where it originated, who it was for, who it was paid to, or who it was given to. And the hints I have been sharing with you guys over the past couple of months is that tithing is not money. It was never money. So who changed it? I'll, I'll go, I, don't worry, I'll wait. So who changed it? So when you listen to this episode, I'm going to play it starting next week. I want you to listen with an open heart and an open mind. And I want you to remember, we are supposed to be in line with this word, not in line with a denomination. And that's why a lot of these ministries have strayed away from the word tithe or tithing or tithes with an S on the end, because it's not biblical today. It is not for us today. And tithing was never money. So when you hear this teaching, and by the way, my brother in Christ, I got to give him his props. Pastor Fred Price Jr. is an excellent teacher of this Bible. As a matter of fact, he's one of the best teachers that I've heard thus far. And I'm old enough to be his mother. But God definitely has his hand on him. I'm a teacher. I learned from him. And, um, I've also had revelation of some scriptures that he, that he didn't have revelations of. So I know that God is using him and using me to teach his word, to bring people back to the truth so that we can be blessed by God. Because you have to remember the children of Israel, God turned his back on them every time they turned their backs on him. Now, Jesus Christ today says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Tell you we leave him. Yes, we do. Whenever we go outside the will of God, we leave Jesus. Now, whenever we call upon the Lord, he answers us. Now, just like Saul called upon the Lord back then, see, they didn't have Jesus to, to stay connected. We do. And God didn't answer Saul. 
So with that said, I don't want to linger too much more. Let me uh, let you guys get out of here. We are still in the midst of this pandemic. And I want you guys to remember when you go out in public, please wear your face mask and, pre and, and please practice uh, physical distancing. Now, I don't have a problem sharing this. I uh, had exhibited some symptoms of COVID-19 earlier this week. I went to be tested and it came back negative to God be all the glory. And I sit before you today feeling fine. But I'm also, uh, because I work as a first responder, that um, I'm on the list to receive the vaccine. Yes, and I'm, I'm going to take it. There's no reason not to because God uh, is my healer. You know, I, by Jesus stripes, I was healed. So we were already healed. The only way that we can pull that healing into manifestation is if we receive it. We have to receive the healing. Okay, so until next week my sisters and brothers. Peace out. All right. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, as it relates to sowing a seed, and I quote, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. God will give you a return on your gift of love as long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. Now, until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.